WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD at the South Shores radio station. And I don't, I, don't hear, uh, I don't hear Jesse panicking in the background, so we must be on the air this morning. No, no, no panic just yet. No, don't panic just yet. Well, Eventually, I will panic. We'll, we'll find a way. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, I have I have a whole uh, you know Xfinity story about you know I am on the internet right now, uh, but I have a, a whole Xfinity story I can tell about uh, you know how uh, Xfinity got me up and running eventually. But uh, that we'll save that for a little bit later in the program. Uh, with us on the program is, uh, as uh, people who listen to the program know, I, I'm a member of the New England Motor Press Association. I have been since its inception when it started, when uh, John R. White and uh, and uh, uh, Bugsy Lawler and uh, a whole little group of people started the New England Motor Press Association. I remember sitting on a bench at the uh, Museum of Transportation. We were going to use the museum as our... Uh, as our base of operation, and I actually remember John White saying, you're not coming to a meeting unless you wear a tie. Uh, Since then, things have changed quite a bit, Uh, and we meet at the uh, headquarters of Automotion, which is the company who delivers the test cars. I'm just going to say real quick, this this all sounds suspiciously like a, a, a mobster meeting. It is somewhat, you know, especially you got your headquarters. Have, you got a guy yeah. named Bugsy. Bugsy. You all got to wear suits and ties. I don't yep. know. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, is you know, what's better, a Lincoln or a Cadillac? You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. It, it does. It does have a little bit of the uh, Godfather uh, theme going for it. In fact, uh, how much trunk space in that Cadillac? Huh? Yeah, I you know. In fact, John Lawler has a uh, a Cadillac that was in the Godfather movie. I bet he does. Uh, which. Uh, which is unique enough, but he also has a script signed by all the actors, which even is which is probably worth more than the car is. But that's pretty cool. Uh, but a New England Motor Press member, uh, Tim Ploff, who's been a loyal New England Motor Press member for a long time and writes for several publications, including the Ellsworth American, is here to join us. Tim, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John Paul and Jesse. I'm glad to be with you this Sunday morning. And uh, you're you're calling from the wilds of Maine, isn't that correct? I am calling from down east Maine. Uh, my wife and I live on a lake outside of Ellsworth. Uh, we are within just a few miles of Acadia National Park, but uh, get to enjoy the robust sunsets every night as we look across the lake. So, uh, yeah, we are probably uh, 11 miles from the city, so it's very much a rural environment here. And, uh, you know, prior to, you know, uh, not prior to, uh, you know, well, you've been writing writing about cars, and you've been writing about cars for, what, 20-odd years, right? Uh, I've had my column uh, for 28 years, and I was fortunate enough, uh, I have a story that goes along with your uh, NEMPAR connection. Uh, I had written letters for several years to John White, because uh, I was familiar with his production in the Boston Globe. And he never responded, never responded, and I thought, well, you know, I'll continue to do what I'm doing. And uh, then one night, uh, early in uh, 2000, I got a call from John Lawler that said that uh, we'll be up to your house next Sunday. Give us directions. And since that time, been almost 23 years, uh, I've been getting the press review vehicles that come right from John's fleet. 
And uh, it, it is it is pretty amazing when you think about it. I I remember I wasn't even a New England Motor Press member, and John called me up one night, and uh, uh, honestly, the conversation didn't go didn't go that well when he called me up, and we had we had a little argument about something, and uh, and my wife's like, "Who was that?" And I said, "I don't know. I'll, we'll we'll I'll, we'll talk about it later." And then one day, sort of something very similar happened, and. You know, it, it was. Uh, it's been. It's been a long time. I, I've been always trying to figure out how long the New England Motor Press has been around. I think we're in our thirty-fifth or thirty-sixth year or something. And I've been there since the very beginning when it when it first started. And uh, we are an interesting organization because we are an organization by. Um, by invite only, so well, the only way you can join the New England Motor Press Association, we kind of have to hear about you, and then we call you up and say, "Hey, you know, we'd like you to be, become a member if you want to be." So, uh, and you know, being a New England Motor Press member doesn't mean you're going to get press cars, and getting press cars doesn't mean you're going to be a New England Motor Press member. But we like to make sure that you know everyone within our group sort of gets along and treats everybody fairly, and tries to tries to do the same, you know, same thing with with everybody and uh well you were writing about cars you also uh whenever we got together we always talked about oil and gas prices because um you uh you worked in that business yes uh, i'm recently retired uh i have uh, re- my most recent occupation was 30 years in the energy side the business i worked for a petroleum distributor here in maine i was the gasoline rep representing Shell, Gulf, and Exxon gasolines across northern New England. And I also sold propane and heating oil to other resellers. So my territory went from, believe it or not, Fort Kent, Maine, to Burlington, Vermont, and which was a great segue for having the press cars from NEMPA and yeah. Automotion. So uh, it was a running joke in my business that here I was, I was uh, – getting paid to drive someone else's car and uh i didn't even have to buy the gas so it was uh it was a great deal well that that didn't that didn't work where i worked they said to me <laughs> we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna pay you to drive one of those press cars so uh i tried but uh they said no 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 you can't do that but but the but it is but it is interesting and you and you have seen a lot of the ups and downs in the energy industry where um you know there there was a there was a time when if you owned a gas station uh, you know there was there was a time where you were making great money and there was a time where you know every every time you got a gas delivery you were taking money out of your pocket right absolutely and those big fluctuations have created a lot of stress and it, uh, and I think that that uh, is a good connection to uh, where we are with the industry, with the ups and downs, with the transition to electric vehicles and this and that. There's going to be a wide and wild transition period because uh, when I left the industry just a little over a year ago, there was still a one-year waiting list to get new gas tanks installed. The backlog is so huge. So the retail side of the business looks at petroleum as a long-term venture because when you put a gas tank in the ground, it's certified for 30 years. So people are not backing away from that commitment. Right. So there's a certain sense, you know, a certain irony about, you know, we're supposedly going to make this rapid transition, but the reality appears to be something totally different on the street. Yeah, it it really does. And and up in 
up in Maine where you are, if you get an electric car to road test, you're sort of stuck with the idea of plugging it into a 120-volt outlet or trying to find a high-speed charging station. And with the exception of Tesla, uh, they're kind of few and far between up there, right? Absolutely correct. Uh, this was our most recent experience. Uh, last week I got to sample the Ford Lightning, which is a fabulous pickup. Um, but the last level three charger that is not a Tesla supercharger was in West Gardner, Maine, along the main turnpike. And that leaves me 110 miles from home. Um, so if you didn't have enough range after there, you'd be, like you said, at the mercy of the 120 volt charges, the level one charges that are essentially irrelevant. Right. Yeah, I, I know I had, uh, uh, when I was at my uh, at my cottage on Cape Cod, there was the nearest uh, level two charger that was open to the public. A couple of hotels had just single-use ones, but they were only for hotel residents. And the nearest one was over at the, uh, the mall in Hyannis, which was about a 25-mile ride from my house, which is fine if I was going to the mall to get something but you know the idea of having to drive that kind of distance fortunately you know my day-to-day driving might have only been you know 25 30 miles maybe even maybe even 50 or 60 miles and i could plug it into an outside outlet and and you get that mileage back overnight but if i i i was driving a um a hyundai and it had a great range it had it had a range of over 240 miles and one of the times i actually drove it from cape cod up to north of boston and back so i probably put 180 190 miles on it it was a fabulous vehicle to drive it performed well it did everything i wanted it to do but it took two and a half days to charge the battery back up and that was my experience with the ford as well uh, once we got it home it was uh four days to bring it back to uh, 100% on the battery. And um, a lot of Maine driving is long distances. I mean, we're the state of Maine is as big as the rest of New England, all the states combined. And the people that live here, they're used to driving from the coast to the mountains to the Maine North Woods, hunting, fishing, hiking, snowmobiling, skiing, you know, very active lifestyle. So pickups, SUVs, things like that are very popular here, as well as Subarus, obviously, yeah. but the electric vehicles, there's no infrastructure to take care of that, and I don't think that you want to be going deep into the main north woods where they've got a 150-mile ride on a dirt road. There's You have a liquid fuel that you take with you and spare gas cans to make sure you get home. Um, we have a ways to go if we're going to use electric vehicles in that capacity. Yeah, a- absolutely, and I think I think that's one of it. In fact, you know, somebody somebody uh, wrote to me this week and said, you know, people are always talking about the benefits of electric vehicles, and no one ever talks about the downsides. And and you just and you just mentioned one of those. You know, the the other the other part of the downside of electric vehicles is um, they're they're simple, but yet they're complicated. I mean, you think about you know all the moving parts in a gasoline engine and all the not moving parts in a in an electric car but the cars themselves have a lot of technology in them and you know you look at you look at the uh, the giant display screen that's in that Ford F150 Lightning that's a that's a pretty complicated system and I know at work at AAA we're buying we we have um 
we have ordered 35 Lightning pickup trucks to do light service with, uh, with the idea that we know we're probably going to get two or three a year because that's all the production that's available right now. But the... Uh, but we've ordered them in such a way now that we're actually limiting throttle response because that lightning truck is a pretty fast truck to drive, isn't it? Um, I'm also fortunate enough to be the owner of a Mustang GT convertible, and the lightning is faster than the Mustang. So um, it's impressive how efficient it is uh, with its power and how it can just literally throw you into the back seat. So like you say, you get on the highway with the lightning, if you don't pay attention, you look down, you're soon doing 90 miles an hour, and you haven't touched the throttle, barely at all. Right. So you, you have to use the cruise control or else you're just going to have a runaway vehicle. And then you look down and your range anxiety comes into play because, oh, my God, I've uh, I've used up all my energy and I haven't traveled where I need to get. Yeah. And, and the idea that, and we've done some testing at AAA where, uh, out at our California AAA office, they have a they have a uh, fully enclosed uh, four wheel chassis dynamometer that they can heat up the room to uh, 120 degrees, and they can cool down the room to about 20 20 degrees or so. And we tested some electric vehicles for range, and and just you know not doing any kind of prep, not not uh you know conditioning the batteries ahead of time but just taking that fully charged electric vehicle and running it through the same cycle on a 70 degree cycle that we did on a 20 degree cycle in some cases we saw range drop almost 50 percent which is a pretty significant number when you know all of a sudden like you pointed out up in maine uh you might need to drive a, a hundred and hundred plus miles to go to the home improvement store to pick something up uh that's not available locally and uh or you want to or you want to go you want to go fishing or do something and all of a sudden it's a it's a it's a really cold cold uh run of days and all of a sudden that 230 miles all of a sudden turns into you know 140 miles so it's again like you said Electric vehicles are great, um, but they're not quite for everybody yet. Totally agree. Um, there's a lot of virtues to them. One of the things I find most surprising, John, is how heavy they are. That Lightning pickup weighs 1,300 pounds more than a similar uh, internal combustion engine version of a F-150. And all the other electric vehicles that we've sampled in the in our press fleet is very much similar to that. They're a lot heavier yep. vehicles than the con- their contemporary gas versions. And that's going to have an impact on our, our road infrastructure if uh, not the wear and tear of the vehicles themselves. I mean, you're going to have tires and suspension systems you still need to worry about. Yeah, no, you're right. And one of the things that we have um, at AAA, where we do provide, you know, road service to you know, all kinds of vehicles we can tow with a normal tow truck. And people say to me, well, what kind of road service are you doing for electric vehicles? And right now, the really, the only service we're doing for electric vehicles now are people that uh, that get flat tires because a lot of these electric vehicles, because as you pointed out, they're so heavy. Well, they look for ways to make them light. So I know we'll take the spare tires out. So you get a flat tire with a with an Ionic or a, or a, or you know a Tesla or or maybe even the F one fifty Lightning. I don't know if it has a spare, but you know a lot of these electric cars don't have spare tires, so you're kind of stuck there too. 
Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, uh, my wife just took delivery of a new car. She had uh, ordered a Hyundai Tucson Hybrid uh, back in November of 2021, and it just arrived at the end of July. And only through the intervention of my connections with our Hyundai co- connections in the press fleet, thankfully, uh, and that vehicle arrived with no spare tire. It's got a beautiful well in the back where a tire would go, but it did not arrive with one, and I had to go to the aftermarket, and for $470, I could find a tire and a wheel that would fit the Hyundai with the jack and all the other hardware you need. But exactly right. I can't imagine driving around the distances we travel in Maine and not having a spare tire. So, Yeah, but that kit, that kit you bought, came didn't it come in a nice little zippered case and stuff, too? It's a beautiful case, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, there, but there were four uh, uh, bolts sticking up through the floorboard back where the tire goes that I had to do something about to make sure they didn't puncture the new spare tire. So um, uh, I shared that. Um, I don't know if it's safe to say I bought it from Modern Tire on the Internet, and yep. uh, they were great great to deal with. Um, and it was a perfect kit. It's a it's an alloy wheel. The tire is more than a space saver. It allows you to go at highway speed. So um, it was unfortunate to have to do that after spending $35,000 for the new car, but that's the new reality we're in. Yeah, it it really is, and and I I got a call from a reporter this week that said, you know, our, our you know what are we seeing in inventory and stuff, and you know I'm starting to see a little bit more inventory on dealer lots. I'm starting to see prices not be as crazy as they were. I mean, my favorite is you know somebody who's looking at the Hyundai uh, Palisade or the. Uh, the Kia Telluride, it's a great midsize SUV. They do a really nice job. But people are paying $10,000 over sticker price for those vehicles. And in, you know, four or five years, they're going to be so upside down in the payments that, uh, you know, they really have to think about, you know, really maintaining those cars and really keeping them up in really good shape because uh, if they don't, they, you know, when they go to, when they go to trade that car in, they're going to be shocked at how little it's going to be worth and how much they still owe on it. I was just reading the data about that, that the average new car payment is almost $700 a month nationally. Um, those are frightening levels of expense for consumers facing inflation all across the board. Um, the average new vehicle price is, what, over 45000 right yeah, now? Uh, right. It, it's a frightening amount of money to spend for vehicles that uh, are essentially going to be depreciating assets. Yeah, they, they really are, and... Uh, and like you said, you know, for consumers, you know, buying what they're buying these days. And I think the last time I checked up in your area, heating oil was five fifty a gallon, maybe? The average uh, price from the governor's energy office in the state of Maine, I believe this week, was five fifty six a gallon. Uh, and diesel price on the street is over $6 a gallon because they're essentially the same product. Right. Um, but... I And I recently wrote about this in a commentary to the local papers that two years ago, heating oil prices in Maine, the average price was $1.87. So to go from that to 556 we have some huge uh, crisis ahead for a lot of our fixed-income uh, residents here in Maine, people that rely on uh, heating oil, and the other derivatives, um, kerosene. Kerosene yep. is a dollar a gallon higher. So these are going to be... Big, big problems going forward. Yeah, and uh, 
And, you know, the other thing I've been reading about lately is our um, inventory levels for diesel and are, are at rates as low as we've seen back to like 2008, I think, right? We, we don't have a lot of inventory of diesel right now. We do not have a lot of inventory. Uh, the company I work for had a deep water marine terminal in Bucksport, Maine, Penobscot Bay Terminal, and we had 31 million gallons of capacity there, and we were dependent on barges uh, to bring the oil in because uh, Maine is kind of like at, uh, it's, a, it's an island. It's an energy yep. island here at Maine. We don't have any pipelines because nothing goes through Massachusetts or up through New Hampshire to get to us. Uh, the essentially the pipeline is the railroad that comes from Canada, crosses through Maine and goes to the Irving refinery in St. John, New Brunswick. And uh, so oil comes from there. Uh, Maine is dependent on oil that comes from uh, other foreign countries. So whether it be South Portland, Maine or Bucksport, Maine or Searsport, Maine, those oil terminals have to get the gasoline and the oil that's used in the market. And then it's trucked around the state. So uh, do you think do you think there's going to be a diesel oil I mean a diesel fuel shortage? Um, from my history in the industry, there'll be ways that they will mitigate it. They're always uh, I mean my company, the, the buyer that was always working, you're working your sources. I believe that the supply is going to get very tight yeah and I believe the price is going to be very high. I don't think that they will run out, but it's it's going to be reflected in what people pay. Um, the energy policies of the country have made it very difficult to make fossil fuels um, the value that they were just two years ago. Yeah. No, it it really it really is kind of it, it sort of really is interesting where where we are at this point. And I know this wasn't going to turn into a uh, oil and gas discussion, but uh, you're really knowledgeable on this. And and I know you've been retired now, but uh, I can tell I can tell you still keep up on it. Well, it's interesting that this summer when we were having that great weather in July, we were actually in Bucksport along the river enjoying the evening. And uh, there's an old paper mill that's gone in Bucksport, but they had their energy plant continues to run, and it supplies energy to the grid for all of New England. And you could hear the, that it was running. Mm. Uh, and I called my contacts the next day, and I say, hey, because I know that uh, uh, the company I worked for had a direct pipeline from the oil terminal to the energy plant, and they would fill in whenever the price of natural gas was excessive or right. they needed to ramp up power quickly. And I asked the boys, I said, uh, hey, the plant in Bucksport was running. How much oil are you supplying? They said, well, we've been, the plant has been idling while New England has this heat wave this week. And so far, they've taken 31,000 gallons of oil just idling. Wow. So, so in that's... two days, that's a lot of oil to use just to keep a power plant idling in case uh, yes. the air conditioners in Massachusetts and Connecticut <laughs> need to be ramped up. Well, no, I, I don't use a lot of air conditioning, so it's not my fault. The <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the the bef- before we let you go, um, you know you you've been you've been driving new cars for a long time, and you and you've been writing about them for a long time, and you've been you've been uh, a writer for a long time. Has there anything is there anything that you know has come out that you've driven in the last year that surprised you how good it was and is there anything that you've driven in the last year that sort of surprised you 
not how bad it was because I don't think there's bad cars anymore, but maybe you kind of drove it and said, you know, this really isn't all that great. Uh, I'm glad you asked that, John. Um, every year at the end of the season, I write a uh, 10 favorite vehicles of the year column uh, right around Christmas. And I have a preponderance to liking performance cars. Uh, and I've been a big fan of the Hellcats, all versions of those since yep. they came out in 2015. And I'm impressed. And obviously buyers are impressed because there's always a waiting list to buy Hellcats. But I, I think that the hybrid vehicles still have the most appeal. And, and having that opportunity to drive a different car every week of the year for 28 years, um, I talked with my wife about what her next car was going to be, and we elected to buy the Hyundai Hybrid because it had the all-wheel drive. It had the space. It had the power lift gate. It had the virtues that she wanted to um, living in rural Maine to get mm-hmm. out and about all seasons. And it's delivered to meet our expectations. She's getting 37 miles a gallon. Uh, she's happy about that. That's a one-third increase in her mileage over a previous SUV. Um, so, and I think that technology is going to be that whatever, whatever we come to next, if the TVs or hydrogen or whatever it is, the hybrid technology to me makes the most sense value wise, performance wise, and daily usability. Yeah, absolutely does. How about something that disappointed you? Anything out there that you, you drove and you said, you know, this feels, it doesn't feel new. It feels old or the technology and it's old or, you know, it just, uh, you know, felt a little bit uh, dated compared to, you know, some of the other new cars you've driven. Um, actually, uh, recently there was a Mazda 3 five-door. And I've always been a big fan of the little Mazda 3 from the the, the old uh, speed versions, speed yep. Mazdas. Uh, yep. They were fun little cars. But this recent one featured all-wheel drive, but the cabin was, it felt cramped. The visibility was not good. Um, the performance was okay. Uh, the interior has uh, got a you know nice feel to it, but yep. the info screen and the interaction with the entertainment is very convoluted. And the price, the price of the vehicle was more than my wife's Hyundai. Yeah, I without- that was that was about the last vehicle that I drove uh, prior to uh, you know coming down here and and uh living in the hurricane belt that I seem to be living in right now but um and I was shocked at how expensive I think that was 40 40 some odd thousand dollars it was outrageous uh the comp the comparison between other vehicles of you know similar mission uh the Mazda seemed priced right out of its uh, environment yeah I thought I thought as well too Tim if people want to read more of your stuff you're in the Ellsworth American but where else can people read you uh, they can read uh, the Ellsworth American, the Mount Desert Islander, uh, the Village Soup newspapers uh, like the Camden Herald and uh, Re- uh, Republican Journal in Belfast. They're all online or in print. And uh, there's some old uh, material still in the Portland Press Herald if uh, you want to go to their automobile website. And uh, yeah, my 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 boss uh, my boss at one point worked for the Portland Press Herald back back forty years ago. So he'll he'll be he'll be glad to hear you know hear that name. It kind of brings back some memories for him. And uh, and and I don't know um, why I just realized this, but uh, in a little bit I'm going to talk about a little tool someone sent me. It's from a company called Zuron, uh, X U R O N. 
and uh, they're actually in uh, they're actually in Saco, Maine. So uh, we're talking a lot about Maine. We're talking about a lot about Maine today. Well, it's a nice, relaxed pace up here. It's, uh, I've been doing a lot of hiking recently to take advantage of the great fall weather we're having. So, yeah, there's there's still a lot to do here in Maine. All right. Well, save me a lobster. I'll save you a couple. All right. All right. Hey, Tim, a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk again soon. John, thank you very much. Everybody, have a great weekend. All right. Take care, Tim. Bye-bye. That was Tim Ploff, auto writer, New England Motor Press member. We need to take a break. I didn't realize that we'd been talking for 30 minutes. Uh, Jesse, Jesse needs to, like, send an electric signal into my headphones that says, I've been talking too much. Give me a little electric shock or something. Maybe that would work. Uh, my name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you want to give us a call and talk about whatever's on your mind on the automotive industry, 781-837-4900. When we come back, I'm going to talk about some of the interesting emails we got this week about different different car problems. So I think they're always worth going over. And again, our phone number is 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and car rentals, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Don't miss one of our nation's best traditions, America's Hometown Thanksgiving Celebration in Plymouth. This nationally ranked Thanksgiving celebration kicks off on Friday night, November 18th at 7 with the Plymouth Philharmonic Orchestra. Saturday morning, the Thanksgiving Parade's opening ceremony begins at 9.30 at Plymouth Rock. At 10, that's where the parade begins. It features historically accurate, chronologically displayed floats, nationally recognized drum and bugle corps, reenactment units from every period of American history, and military marching units. Also on Saturday enjoy waterfront activities for the family the portal to the past reenactment village a beer and wine garden and the children's pavilion grab a bite to eat along food truck alley saturday evening brings america's best drum and bugle corps reunion concert at memorial hall free shuttles from the kingston mbta every 15 minutes saturday don't miss the annual harvest market on the waterfront on sunday america's hometown thanksgiving celebration november 18th through the 20th on the plymouth waterfront visit usathanksgiving.com for more information. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor on 95.9 WATD. Now back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD, the South Shore's radio station. The call-in number, again, is 781-837-4900. And I kind of mentioned it to Tim about a tool from a company called Zuron, uh, but you uh, it's actually X-U-R-O-N. And um, what's interesting about it, it's, it's a little pair of pliers. And so what's so interesting about a pair of pliers? Well, it's a little pair of cutters. And I guess this company makes a lot of little pliers for people that do um, jewelry making and bead making. Jesse, do you do do much bead making at home? All day long, yeah. All day long, yeah. Uh, but what's interesting about it, these are, um, they're flat on one side. So if you're somebody who uses a lot of wire tie wraps, the plastic things that you can use to bundle t- wires together, 
which I use for, I, I was just working on a, a lawnmower and I had to take the carburetor off of it. And, um, and uh, it has these little springy clamps that are no good for anything you can't, you can only use them once. So I use little wire tie wraps to, you know, use as a clamp to tighten up the fuel line. And what's, what always happens when you take a pair of regular diagonal cutting pliers, you cut them. And it always leaves this little sharp edge. And if you're working on a car and you wrap up a wiring harness with tie wraps, it never fails that next time you reach up under that dash or somewhere, you get whacked with that little piece of plastic tie wrap that's left. And these actually cut flush. So they cut perfectly flush right to the edge of the piece of the tie wrap that where the um, kind of tongue comes through. So it actually... it it. They're they're really nice, and I used them I used them the other day because I was tying up a bundle of um, cable wire. Um, and you might say, why was I tying up a bundle of cable wire? Well, as you remember, last since we've been here um, in Florida, um, I've had some trouble with the internet. In fact, the first couple of programs we did, we did it over the phone. Uh, through an app that Comrex Corporation has, which works out works out pretty well. It's uh, I don't think it's quite it, it, well. I shouldn't say that. It could be almost as good a quality as we normally do. If I had a little bit better microphone, but I have a uh, I have a headset style microphone uh, that's designed for. It's actually kind of for the trucking industry. It's a rechargeable sort of thing, Bluetooth headset, and it works nicely with my phone. And it has a uh, it has a solar panel in it, which actually kind of works out nice. And so it always stays charged. Even when it's in the house, there's enough light in the house that it keeps it charged up, which is nice. So that's what I use to do the program. And then about two weeks ago, after multiple calls to the cable company, which is Xfinity, um, I saw a guy in a pole about four poles down from my house. And I'm like, oh, look, it looks like they're hooking up the broken wire. And, again, we had a hurricane, so it's expected that, you know, stuff isn't going to work. And um, it had been, I guess, about three weeks or maybe even longer that people didn't have cable. And I only have cable for the Internet. That's the only reason I have it. And um, I uh, saw this guy in a pole, went and checked my router, and um, look, and it's like all the lights are lit up. It's a good day. Everything's working. And... I was happy, and I don't know about you folks, but I have had um, not the best luck trying to contact Xfinity through their app, which is pretty automated. And um, then I've, you know, call the 800 number, and I get somebody on the phone, and, you know, the first thing is, oh, we'll, re we'll redo the router. And I'm like, no, no, I saw the guy at the pole. He hooked it up. Everything seemed to work. It worked the way it was supposed to. And... Uh, now it's not working anymore. So I'm like, oh, now what? So, so what a, we, a lot uh, of these companies will do, and it's the same with electricity, is so you'll notice sometimes when your power goes out for a little, like all of a sudden your power comes back, you're like, yeah. oh, great, and then it goes out again. So yeah. what they'll do is they'll they'll restore certain parts of a neighborhood, and then they will shut it back off. But they're, they were basically testing it out to make sure it works before they put everybody live. Right. And right. so they'll shut it off for a little. I think. I wonder if yeah. it's the same thing for internet, and maybe that's what um, was happening. In this case, uh, in this case, I don't think so. But I actually got the most response when I tweeted uh, Xfinity. So you know, I said, "Hey, Xfinity, you know, what's going on with me?" And I get, I get a sort of live person who actually reviewed my profile because at one point, and I have this whole long 
dialogue going on, the uh, the woman, and I assume it's a woman because she signed her name as a woman's name, um, but she said, oh, my dad loves cars. I should have him listen to your radio show. So she looked at my profile, I guess. Uh, but but they actually made an appointment, and uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Xfinity guy comes out, and he looks, and he goes, I can't fix this. It's... Uh, so wiring up in the pole. And I said, yeah, they just put this wire in last week when they disconnected me again. I said they ran a whole big, like, one-inch thick cable from one end of the street to the other out onto the main road. And uh, I'm like, yeah, it was a company that came in and they did it. And I said to the guy, you know, my system's working now. Is it going to work when you leave? And he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. Well, when he left, nothing worked. So the guy comes out and he goes, I don't know. I can't fix it. It's up there. So I said, well, is there anything you can do? And he said, well, I can. I said, I think they got Internet, you know, four houses down. So he goes down. And he goes, yeah, there's a signal there. And he says, let me run. I'll run a cable from there to your house. He said, I don't know how good it's going to work because it's kind of far away. So he um, ran like regular, well, probably like the next step up of cable that you would have in your in your house. So a little bit, you know, a little bit thicker, but not like the big giant cable that they run in the telephone poles. And I got it up and running. So I said, "Well, that's a that's a good sign." So since then, that big cable in the pole was replaced by another company. And when that happened, I didn't have cable again. And then a third company came in and replaced the same wire again. So this is literally hundreds of feet of this really big cable wire. And they replaced it again. And I said to the guy, well, what about, you know, hooking my house up to the pole that's the closest? And he goes, I don't do that. That's So I, the wire was still connected to the pole. It just wasn't hooked up to the house. So I hooked it up to the house, and I used cable tie wraps to hold everything in place and used these neat little uh, Zoron pliers, the flush cut, that uh, wrapped all the wires together. So, um, But I guess the moral of the story is, if you're um, if you're trying to get a hold of some of these big companies, sometimes using social media is the best way to do it. And um, and it worked out, you know, in the end it worked out okay. Uh, but I bundled up all the old wire and uh, wrapped it all up in a big ball and uh, actually cable tied it to the telephone pole. So someday they can come and get it. So I hooked mine up. So I'm a little nervous. I'm look. I'm I'm in my. Uh, uh, kind of screen room. That's where I'm doing my radio show. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but it might get noisy because there's a ramp truck unloading a bobcat right opposite me. And I'm not sure what the bobcat is doing, but it might be going to crush the house across the street from me that get damaged in the storm. So um, if you start to hear a lot of w- weird noises in the background, that's... Um, that's uh, what's going on. Uh, just to let you know, we did have another, another hurricane this week. Uh, we had uh, Hurricane Ian, which was the bad one. That was a Category 4 hurricane. And then this week we had Hurricane Nicole, which was a Category 1 hurricane. Um, and when it got to here, it was more of a tropical storm. It, it basically uh, rained for 24 hours, and the winds were, you know, 40 45 miles an hour, but uh, a lot of the homes, especially where I am, uh, have suffered some pretty serious structural damage, and this extra wind and water wasn't something that 
anybody wanted to see again. And um, uh, my little my little tin shack here uh, held up well. It didn't hold up didn't hold up great during the hurricane uh, because it needs a new roof and it's missing one of the carports. I have two carports and it's missing one. Um, but um, we did have uh, we did have a big tarp put over it and uh, and uh, we had one little one little minor leak uh, that uh, that we found that you know showed up after after it rained. So I think we we're pretty fortunate. I was noticing uh, I went through the neighborhood behind me, which is a neighborhood of regular houses, and uh, some of those houses even got some additional damage from from this storm. So. Uh, you know, this is this is uh, you know I've been here for five years and have been through some bad weather. In fact, when I bought this place, it was uh, I bought it and then Hurricane Irma hit. But Hurricane Irma, which was a very significant storm, did very little damage to my home. I was very fortunate, so that was good. But uh, but it is still uh, it is still something to have to deal with down here and uh, whether whether. You know, weather might be sunny, but uh, the the weather can also be a problem at the same time. So uh, just be aware of that. Uh, our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. If, you, if, you've, uh, if you've gotten tired of, you know, listening to me talk about my, my little home in Florida here, uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, it is one of the, one of the things that uh, comes up every week. Uh, somebody wrote to me and said they have a 2018 Honda Accord with 85,000 miles on it. They recently had an oil change, and they said the brake pads on the front and rear brakes were down to 3 millimeters. They said, should I have them replaced right away? Could I do the front first and then the rear at a later time? This is the first time either set would be replaced. So they're, they're pretty easy on brakes, obviously, a lot of highway miles in the four years they've owned the cars. Would it make sense to change the brake fluid at the same time? And um, new, new brake pads are somewhere between 10 and 12 millimeters. At 3 millimeters, the brakes are just about worn out. Um, so it is something that, it is something that uh, needs to be done. Uh, it makes sense to replace the front and rear brakes at the same time. It may save you a little bit of money. Some shops actually have a little bit of a deal where if you do you know, one axle or the other, it's a certain price. But when you do a complete brake job together, it might be a little bit cheaper. So definitely look into that. Uh, at 85,000 miles, I might, even though it sounds like they're a very easy driver, uh, and if they do plan on keeping this car another 85,000 miles, I might want to put a set of brake rotors on the car at the same time because they're probably worn and putting those new pads on with the old brake rotors uh may end up with a brake vibration in the near future so maybe think about think about that at the same time um, and as far as replacing brake fluid hopefully when the brake job is done they replace the brake fluid in the car and uh, get that taken care of somebody else wrote to me and had a question about brake fluid they have a, a nissan murano and they wanted to replace the brake fluid themselves and they were going to go rent a uh, power brake uh, uh, bleeder and they read the directions, and it says disconnect the negative battery cable or disconnect the ABS unit uh, for the brake system before you use before you use uh, the power uh, brake bleeder. And they wanted to know if that was really necessary. Yes, it is. Nissan's very specific about that uh, because if not, you're going to end up you're going to need to uh, cycle cycle the brake system back and forth. It turns into a turns into a real problem. So you know, get that get that. Uh, 
negative cable disconnected before you do it. Uh, Nissan actually recommends changing brake fluid every three years or so, so that's probably why they're going to go ahead and do it. Uh, so it kind of makes sense makes sense to get it get it done and uh, get the brake fluid changed in the vehicle. If you're somebody who doesn't want to change brake fluid regularly like you're supposed to, um, what you can what you can do kind of a cheater way around this and for and i heard this years and years ago and it sort of makes sense is that uh take like a turkey baster not the one that you're going to use for thanksgiving but maybe another one and go siphon some of the brake fluid out of the brake master cylinder don't take it all out because if you do you're going to have to bleed the brake system but take some of it out take two-thirds of it out and then add fresh brake fluid to it and what will happen every time you step on the brake pedal if you don't have enough brake fluid in there or if you take the master cylinder cap off you notice brake fluid squirts up in the air a little bit well that's brake fluid kind of exchanging itself inside the master cylinder so you put some fresh brake fluid in and if you do that every oil change or you know twice a year or something like that uh, eventually you're going to always have fresh and clean brake fluid in the car because it's not going to be in there it's not going to be you know, three, four, five, ten-year-old brake fluid, and it's going to be relatively clean brake fluid. Now, you haven't fully flushed the brake system, but you've taken the contaminated brake fluid out, and you've added new brake fluid to it. So it's easier, and there's no electronic trickery that you have to worry about. Someone else wrote to me and said they have a uh, Ford Edge. Theirs is a 2011, and the concern they've, they've heard about the water pump failures in these vehicles, and when the water pump fails, the engine gets destroyed and they wanted to know if there's any way around that is there anything you can do about that uh, and they also don't want to just go ahead and replace the water pump because they heard it's a pretty expensive job it is because the water pump is a gear driven water pump and it's driven from the timing chain so you basically have to do almost like a replacement timing chain job so it's about a 12-hour labor job to do it and the older ones the 07s to maybe 11 12 13 something like that um, they uh, use a single row timing chain where the newer models actually use a double gear uh, type water pump which is a um, which which puts less tension on the bearing. And why it destroys the engine is the water pump bearing, because of um, the way the chain is mounted, puts tension on the bearing. Eventually the bearing wears out, and when the bearing wears out, the um, the seal in the, in the water pump leaks. When the seal in the water pump leaks, the coolant leaks in directly into the oil pan, uh, and you have oil in, you have water in the oil, and you end up possibly ruining the engine so sometimes you can get lucky you might have a check engine light comes on because the timing chains running a little loose and you get a misfire code and you find out that uh you can replace the timing you can replace the water pump again it's a big job it's about a 12-hour job and and luck and hopefully the oil didn't turn into something that looks like uh that looks like uh, uh kind of a gray milky milkshake inside the oil which means it is pretty badly contaminated so flush it out get some new oil in there and hope for the best as far as doing it preemptively um, these water pumps go a couple hundred thousand miles so depending on you know what you can do change the oil a lot change the coolant 
hope for the best. The newer models, the ones newer than 2012, still have some leaky water pump problems, but they're not as bad. They're they're uh, they're they're not the same kind of leak that the older ones did. So, you know, keep an eye on it and kind of go from there and then decide decide where you want to go. Um, we'll talk about this when we come back from the next break. But you know, Tim and I were talking about um, hybrid cars and. Uh, why that might be a good choice and somebody wrote to me and said when people talk about hybrid cars they only mention the positive things about the cars but what about the negative uh things that most buyers could be unaware of could you enlighten us about uh why uh, you know about them uh and see what we think so we'll talk about that when we come back we need to take another break my name is john paul this is the car doctor program our phone number is 781-837-4900. If you want to give us a call and talk about your car, your car problems, uh, happy to try to help you out. 781-837-4900. You'll listen to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and car rentals, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Well, hey there. It's Chris from South Shore Buds in Marshfield. I don't know about you, but I grew up pretty skeptical of anything cannabis-related. From the time I drank juice in a box to long after I drank wine from a box, I stayed away. I just said no. It wasn't until I met someone who answered all of my questions, and I had a lot of them, that I finally gave it a try. It didn't take long for me not just to become a fan, but to discover the potential benefits of cannabis. So if you're curious, if you've got questions, like I did, stop by South Shore Buds. Or if you're an experienced consumer looking for a thoughtfully curated menu, stop by South Shore Buds. We'll help you find your happy place. We're at 985 Plain Street, just off Route 3 at Exit 27 in Marshfield. Or check us out online where you can browse, place an order for pickup, or place an order for delivery at SouthShoreBuds.com. That's SouthShoreBuds.com. Always consume responsibly. Don't miss the Just Steph Show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor on 95.9 WATD. Now back to the car doctor. By the way, you don't need to make an appointment for the Car Doctor program. Well, I guess you can make an appointment to listen. You know, put it on your calendar, tune in at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and listen to the Car Doctor program. And um, you can always find old programs or previous programs or however you want to call it. Uh, if you uh, if you just Google uh, Car Doctor Radio, uh, you'll find podcast sites. My own personal podcast site is johnfpaul.podbean.com. Um, but if you, it's on Stitcher and all of those kind of other places where uh, you can find you can find podcasts. So um, I just saw somebody drive through my front yard. Um, good thing to hit a small car uh, because apparently they are tearing stuff up on the house across the street from me. The woman who owns the... Oh, you know, 
No more no more hurricane talk. Just car talk from that one. So I mean, if a person's driving through your front lawn, I mean, you're talking, well, talking about Well, I suppose cars, that right? is automotive-related, yeah, So uh, because there's a uh, a ramp truck with a bobcat over it. So, uh, But anyway, so enough enough about that. So uh, no more no more talking about that. I did get I did get a really interesting email from a guy who has a um, who has a car problem. He has a he has a new Xfinity. Uh, no, no, that's the cable company. New Infinity um, QX60, and the QX60 is a, is a nice SUV. It's a 2022 model that he has. But he says one unique thing that he doesn't like about it, or odd thing that he doesn't like about it, is when he puts it in park. If he's on a hill, it'll roll two or three inches, and he's concerned that if somebody's you know gets out of the car really fast and the, the door could hit them. Um, you know, maybe if they're parked really close to something and they open the door and take their foot off the brake, it's going to roll back and the door could hit, you know, a, you know, a, a post or something that they didn't expect that to happen. And they took it to the dealer and the dealer said, well, they all do that. That's normal. Well, rolling three inches isn't really normal, but maybe it is in that particular car. And uh, infinity's a little bit, and I don't know if this is the right word. Um, is cheeky the right word? Is that when they're a little sneaky kind of? I think kind that of, applies. Sure. Yeah, cheeky. Um, they in the owner's manual it says, "Do not substitute the parking brake for the park position. Always apply the parking brake before exiting the vehicle. So if you apply the parking brake, it's not going to roll back. So." Do they know that there's maybe something weird in the transmission? Because these previous models use something called a CVT transmission, continually variable transmission, which, um, if you're a little bit geeky, it's sort of the same style transmission that's in a snowmobile. So it's sort of kind of two big pulleys that sort of work opposite each other. So it has this sort of infinity in infinite uh, gear range. And... Uh, They've replaced that transmission last year in the 2021 model with a um, with a nine-speed automatic transmission, and maybe there's something with the way the parking system works in that vehicle that it's it's not right. But he said to me, um, he uh, he's been around cars his whole life, and and he um, also has a 1970. Uh, AMX, which was an American Motors car, it was sort of a uh, a version of a vehicle where it was a um, it was a two seat uh, sort of javelin ish sort of vehicle, and it was one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most underrated uh, muscle cars of the era. It had a three ninety uh, cubic inch engine in it. It had uh, uh, some of them had uh, three two barrel carburetors on them. Really nice car, and he also said. You know, um, knowing what one eight four three six five seven two means uh, makes it easier for him to talk to the uh, technicians in the shop about his car problems. And uh, Jesse, do you know what uh, what those numbers mean? I don't know. Was, uh, Ed no, Perry was you, transferring yeah. a call to me, and I lost the call, so I don't know. Sorry, yeah, wasn't listening. So, uh, yeah, well, that's that's okay. It's it it's the actually the firing order of a small block Chevy engine. So this guy's been around for a while. He knows what the firing order is. So of a small block Chevy engine. So he he knows what's going on. But yeah, it's uh, so um, you know what I would do if I if I own this twenty twenty two. 
uh, Infinity QX60, I would go to the Infinity dealer and I would uh, ask to go drive exactly the same car. So not something, not a year newer or older. I would want to try to find the exact same 2022 car and see if it rolls as much as yours does. And if it rolls as much as yours does, it's an undesirable characteristic of the car, but it's still a characteristic. And until they come up with something to maybe fix it, use the parking brake all the time. If the car that you looked at that's exactly like yours only rolls a half an inch when you put it in park, there's something wrong with your car and it needs attention. And then I would go back to uh, Infinity Service and say, hey, look, you know, we need to we need to address this issue and get it working the way it's supposed to. So, you real know, quick, kind we of, have, uh, sorry, we have John in uh, Marshfield, if you want to try to get to him real quick. If we can, that would be fantastic. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are very you? quick. I have a 97 Mercury Grand Marquis with 550,000 miles on it. Um, I've had the electrical system checked. I have a new battery, new alternator, starter. Everything is good. What's happening is this problem just started three months ago. When I step on the brake with the lights on, I got my lights flickering and the alternator gauge moving. I also had the uh, battery light come on the other night three times in- intermittently, just briefly for a second or two. So I'm wondering what's happening here. Is it a bad ground wire? It's think, a, it's a, I think I think you're right on the money. I think it's a bad ground. I would start right at the right at the ground cable on the battery, and you'll see a big yes. fat ground wire and a small ground yes. wire. And right. I already spliced that. I already yep. put a new piece on. I spliced it. Problems yep. still exist. But look where the look where the ground wire attaches to the frame, including that little small one. That little small yes. one is one of, is the important one. And uh, even the if one you on can, the fender wall. Yep. Yeah, you want to make sure that's take that off, clean it, polish it up, put it back on, and see how it acts afterwards. But I'm willing to bet you got a bad ground there somewhere. I figured that. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Take care now. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, that music means we need to go. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.